This episode of the Supply Chain Brain podcast is supported by Procurious, the world's first online social network for procurement and supply chain professionals. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company. But now, on to the podcast. Social networking isn't just for cats and baby pictures anymore. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The word networking, minus the prefix social, has long been an indispensable part of business. Back in the day, it might have meant schmoozing on the golf course or meeting for drinks at a private club. Now it's out with the secret handshakes and in with the use of social networks for doing business, especially in the areas of procurement and supply chain. My guest today is a pioneer in the use of social networking in those disciplines. She is Tanya Siri, founder of Procurious, the online business network for procurement and supply chain professionals. She returns to the podcast to talk about the importance of networking in today's business world, both for career advancement and for managing day-to-day operations with a broad range of supply chain partners. And she'll tell us what it takes to be a procurement network guru. So here is my conversation with Tanya Siri. Tanya Siri, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Robert. Lovely to be here. And good to speak with you again, this time on the subject of networking. You know, Tanya, when I think of the word networking, I think of the obvious social networking platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever. And I think of them as being primarily used by individuals for personal relationships. But when you use the word networking, what do you mean in the context of business, in the context of procurement and the supply chain? What's that mean to you? Well, look, I think it means both the old world networking and today's more accepted version of social networking online. But let's face it, networking does have a really bad image. And part of it is its history. I remember when it meant businessmen getting together for meetings and secret handshakes and enjoying long lunches. Um, (laughs) Networking used to be really elite and self-serving. But I think today it's critical not only for career success, but I think it will improve all aspects of your life. So obviously I'm a huge proponent of the value of social networks for your career, but I'm also a true believer in the good old-fashioned face-to-face networking. Of course, technology has completely transformed the world of networking, and I guess you're saying that that's partly why we're now looking at networking in a different way. It's not playing golf at a private club. It's not the secret handshake. It's more open and accessible (laughs) to everyone, right? Well, exactly. 
Exactly. What I say to procurement and supply chain profession is really look at the social networking, the LinkedIn, the Facebooks, obviously Procurious, as a way to really fast track your networking. Because back in the day, when you were trying to build a network, you'd probably meet someone at a conference or an event. And then you'd probably have to catch up with them at least two or three times before you found what I call the crossover point, that you went to the same school or that you worked at the same company. It took a long time to work out what you had in common with someone. But with today's social networks, you can read their profile and get a lot of information about an individual before you actually reach out to them. So it really helps speed up that process and really helps you build a more targeted network, one that is more aligned with your current interests and also your career aspirations. It is sometimes hard to narrow down with whom you want to network. I mean, you want a certain critical mass of people that will be of value to you, but you're constantly, or I am constantly, getting invitations to join social networks from people who may not be of any value to me. So you kind of still have to be a little bit discerning about it, don't you? Absolutely. But I think the number one thing people have to work out is what actually are their career objectives and motivations. It's a conversation I have with a lot of people. I, I, I like to be a bit controversial and I say to people, look, if you don't have 500 connections on LinkedIn, I really don't want to know you. And I guess I'm just puzzled that anyone in our profession could not have 500 connections or meaningful people that they want to stay connected with. Because just the number of people in your company, your professional association, but in our game, it's about knowing what's happening in your supply chain in the broader market. So I look at social and all the platforms that I participate in as a really important source of market intelligence. We talk a lot about thinking the unthinkable and a lot of disruptions in our profession. And I think the best way to stay abreast of what's happening in the market is to be connected with a very broad network. Market intelligence is what I see as a huge advantage of having a very vibrant network. But to your question about who's in your network, I think a lot of people don't really know what their career objectives are and therefore trying to decide who they should accept information or invitations from is a big decision. It was interesting. I I had the um, honour of speaking at the ISM conference in Orlando recently and I had a gentleman come up to me early and he says, oh, I've got, I I presented these. He was a young gentleman and he said, I presented these events and then I have like a thousand people inviting me to connect. And uh, he said, but I'm not interested in that. And I said, but maybe that's telling you that the market is really interested in what you want to say and that you should actually connect with those people because they're interested in what you're doing. And in future years, you might want to write a book, you might want to do a training course. So you've also got to sort of think that it's a very sort of natural market mechanism, if you like, that if people are reaching out to you and want to hear what you want to say, that the sort of the crowd is speaking. So I think you've got to think carefully about why you're declining invitations. And and once you've reconciled that, then um, keep declining. 
but just yeah. make sure you're deliberate about the reason behind it. You seem to have put your finger on a key difference between individual <laughs> social networking and professional social networking. And in the case of the individuals on Facebook, for instance, it's almost a numbers game in terms of how many, quote-unquote, friends you have. If you have thousands mm. of friends, and of course they aren't really your friends and they aren't really of that much value to you, mm. but you seem to be suggesting on a professional level it it is quantity equals quality sometimes, or at least quantity gives you unexpected links that you might not even realize are important until somewhere down the line. So maybe it is important to kind of let everybody come in because you never know what they're going to mean to you later on. Well, that's right. And I mean, I think you've also got to look at the different platforms. For me personally on Facebook, I only have 20 friends on Facebook. That's not to say I've only got 20 friends in the world, but for me, <laughs> when I'm sharing photos of my uh, family, my holidays, for me, that's a very personal type piece of communication, whereas with my professional side, obviously, I think that the more quality procurement and supply chain contacts I can reach out to, the more I'll be aware. And I think this is the exciting part of living when we're living is that the world is now open to us. I mean, one of the concerns I have is that a lot of procurement and supply chain professionals are quite isolated. You might be managing the one category in your country, in your company, in your region, and it can be a fairly lonely profession. But these tools allow us to connect with other people around the world who are doing exactly the same thing as you are. And there's a lot of comfort in that, but there's also a lot of information that can be shared that's not proprietary and can really help you in your job. So I think it's a, it's a really great opportunity. Back to your question about how you define your networks. You know, when we started Procurious, there's a lot of debate about whether you have an open network that you let everyone into or a closed network. And I guess I was a little bit old-fashioned and I really wanted to have a closed network that was like a private club, if you like, that was just for procurement and supply chain executives. And my team, who were all a sort of generation next, really implored me to keep it open and I'm so glad we did because when you think about it most people spend most of their careers in closed networks they stay in the same profession the same industry the same company often in the same town all of their lives and this makes it much easier for us because we know everyone the unspoken rules and the expected behaviors but it's also dangerous because your network mirrors your worldview. And that means that your thinking is not being challenged. So the thing that unites us all is we all have to stay ahead of the curve. And I think the best thing we can do is really to open up our networks and make sure that we're across all the issues that we do. And let's face it, in our profession, we have to do that anyway, you know, in building our supply networks and communities. But I think we've, there's a real opportunity for us to do it even better. How can we be more proactive in our networking? I can imagine saying, okay, I'm on LinkedIn. My job is done. <laughs> I am now officially networking <laughs> because I'm on LinkedIn or I'm Procurious. How can you make that a more proactive thing where we can derive more value from networking than simply being on a network? Well, I think that's where most 
people sort of miss the opportunity. They might have a lot of people in their network, but they don't actually capitalise on it. They don't actually connect the dots. So really, if you've just got a lot of connections, it's a bit of a glorified address book. So I really encourage people to take that next step. But I might just backtrack a bit. I don't want you to feel bad if you are on LinkedIn and you're just watching everything happen because I think probably 75% of the population is doing that. And that's great because at least you're staying across what's happening in your network and across the issues and you'll be aware of something big happens. So I don't want you to worry too much about that. And I think once you get braver, if there's something you genuinely like and that fits in with your values and the type of things you believe in, then you can start liking things or sharing things. I guess blogging is sort of for the uh, surely, let's say, fully developed LinkedIn uh, user (laughs) to start sharing your thoughts. So don't feel bad if you're just watching because I think market intelligence is one of the most important benefits of having a network. But to your point, look, most of us have this sort of glorified address book and I think the important thing is to really try and start using that not to your own advantage and this is one of my fundamental beliefs about networking is that you have to give to receive so if you approach networking with how what do I get out of this you're probably going to fail so the number one step would be to actually think about two people within your network who would benefit from meeting each other or sharing some information and to introduce them to each other And really, that's sort of my fundamental belief is that if you think about how you can help others, then the rest will fall into line. Once again, you need to have this underlying objective. What are you trying to achieve with your career? What would be a good outcome from your network? And I read this really great article recently on social media, of course, Robert. Um, (laughs) It was by a guy called Chris Fallick. And it caught my eye because it said how to become insanely well-connected, which was a very catchy uh, headline. And my current challenge to myself is something he set out. He said, who were your five dream contacts? Like, who are the five people that if you could get connected with would really change your future? So I know who those five people are now. I haven't done anything yet to connect with them. But for you, if people out there who are listening know that they want to work at a specific company or move into a different industry, really think through who are the important people that could help you build greater understanding, meet someone who could be an influencer or even someone who could potentially appoint you and think about how you could help them. And I think that's sort of a good first step for making your network work for you. Steve Jobs has this great saying which kind of wraps up a few of the things we've already talked about, which said, you can never connect the dots looking forward, but when you look back, it all makes sense. And I think that's sort of part of your career journey. You're sort of vaguely heading where you want to head and you're meeting all these people and it's not until, you know, you're 20 years into your career and you finally have your dream job and you're like, oh, that all makes sense now. And I think that's what networking is to me. It's sort of watering the seeds of possibility. You're sort of nurturing these relationships along the way that you feel very positive about and then you get to a point in your career where you go, oh, I'm sure that Elizabeth would be happy to help me. I've helped her a few times and I would really appreciate her help now and it all falls into place. 
that's kind of what life is like, isn't it? Nothing makes sense until we're looking back and trying to figure out how it all made sense in terms of what already already happened to us. Now, we've been talking essentially about networking, and of course, the term is, is largely understood as a vehicle for career advancement. But I'm interested in what you have to say about the use of networking in your day-to-day job, especially when it comes to procurement, which after all is a function of relationships. You talk, I believe, about the concept of a procurement networking guru. What is that, and how can networking be be used in the day-to-day job of procurement? Well, look, for me, the opportunity is limitless. If you're sitting down with a supplier about innovation, if you have a broad network who's feeding you information on what's happening in your industry with your competitors, you will be able to see the latest innovations, get ideas, what have you. The same goes with cost reductions. And we actually host a lot of face-to-face networking as well. When I first started these discussions, people were, of course, concerned about talking about costs, not having competitors in the room. But there is so much we can share that has nothing to do with competitive advantage or cost. Procurement and supply chain professionals just getting together and talking about processes and how they've managed different commercial situations without giving out names. It's just like the most valuable, cost-effective way to drive change in your day-to-day role that you can get. And particularly if you find a network that has like-minded or is driving similar outcomes, it can be a very good investment. And, and that's why I always challenge people when they say, I don't have time to network. I just think, have well, because you would make up so much time by the information you learn, uh, you wouldn't be stuck at your desk sort of slaving away. We all like to think we're geniuses. Well, I certainly do. But in reality, today's business issues are just too big for any one person to solve alone. When you think about slavery, the environmental issue, transparency in the supply chain, we can't solve those problems alone. And what I'm encouraging our profession to do is actually work together as a community to try and solve those problems. And the more that you reach out to your community, we will build muscle as a community and then we'll build reflexes. And I think that's the real opportunity. We, we don't have to work in isolation. If you work as part of a broader network and collaborate, we can really advance ourselves and the whole profession. Are there any pitfalls of networking that we need to keep in mind? Are there ways in which networking can miss the mark or mislead us or have us mistake it for human interaction and therefore not really engage in human interaction? What, if any, are some of those potential pitfalls? Well, I think you've got to be very careful of people who are networking for their own benefit. Back to my mantra that you have to give to receive, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges is someone who's approaching you with just their own objectives in mind and that's probably one to avoid and obviously getting caught up in the wrong networks the people who have the wrong objectives uh, you know I won't get political or elaborate much on that but clearly getting into the wrong crowd is an out a downside but I think other than that I just see so many advantages I also know that a lot of people are concerned, and this is very much moving in the last couple of years, about what they share online. Because, of course, a decade or two ago, large corporates absolutely forbade you to talk about any company issues without going through corporate affairs. But that has very much changed now. 
and companies are actually wanting their executives to be online to promote their companies, not only to customers, but also to potential employees. And I think this is another big reason why heads of procurement, heads of supply chain should have a presence online because the next generation of talent looks online for when they're deciding who they want to work for. They want to work for influencers. They want to work for people who have big networks because then that helps them with their network. So I think that's probably the number one reason if you want to be a high-performing head of, you need the best talent. And if you're not online, if you don't exist on Google, you don't exist at all. So I think that's important and that's why a lot of large companies are actually asking their executives to be online and share what it's like to work in their company so that they're actually an employer of choice. So networking prowess becomes a skill requirement for the procurement and supply chain professional of today and tomorrow. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Tanya, tell me about the founding of Procurious. Procurious was sort of 20 years in the making. I learned about collaborative learning throughout my career when I was working in North America for the Alcoa, the Aluminum Company of America. We used to bring all our business unit heads of procurement in to meet. And I guess that's where I first saw the benefit of bringing people together and learning and and how much it fast-tracked collaboration and the sharing of efficiencies and ideas. So that was where it started. And then when I moved back to Australia, you probably picked up on the accent there, Robert, I started a business that had procurement roundtables, and that still exists today. The faculty, we have around 30 member companies who participate in an annual program that develops themselves, their teams, research, mentoring, And so when I moved to London, I thought, how do you scale this? And and back to my earlier point about a lot of procurement and supply chain executives feel quite isolated. How do we connect them globally? And of course, now, 20 years future from when I started, we have these great social media tools. So I thought, right, let's use social media tools. Obviously, the LinkedIn model's there, but LinkedIn is very busy and it's difficult to find other procurement professionals on there and bespoke information. So we started Procurious, which is kind of one of our team members came up with the name. And I guess it picks up on the fact if you're curious and want to find knowledge, we're the place to go. What year did you actually found the company? Three years ago. So we're still quite young. You were entering what is potentially a fairly crowded marketplace of social networks. What was your value proposition? How did you see yourself as being distinctive? Was it the procurement angle that that made you stand out or or what exactly? Absolutely. I think Focusing on procurement and supply chain was really important and obviously my team and I have a rich background in procurement and supply so we know what our audience is interested in. So I think that's the number one success factor. But the second thing is we often offer a lot of functionality that you don't get on the social network. So we have a very active discussion board where people ask and answer questions. That's probably one of the most popular parts of our community and then we've also got profiles as you have on other social networks, but we have e-learning, so bespoke procurement and supply chain e-learning. So there's a couple of extra features as well as the fact that we really focus in on our profession. 
And where do you go from here? What additional bells and whistles and features do you think you might be adding to the platform in future to create even greater value for your users? Well, we believe there's a move by Generation Next to really take accountability and responsibility for their own career. So we're going to focus on the individual's development and help them during their procurement journey and how they reach their full supply chain potential. So we're really going to work on the career support, but also this plays into what CPOs are interested in, of course, because they want to develop their teams. And I think also, well, I know the global CPOs want to connect their teams. So Procurious offers a corporate portal, an addition, a white label version of what we do. And then corporate CPOs can subscribe to that and then connect their 2,000 people around the world allow them to have private conversations, private e-learning, and really use that collaboration platform for their own purposes. So, yeah, so that's sort of really where we're heading. Um, we're very confident. We've got high engagement. We've got membership numbers growing, and um, hopefully the future is bright. www.procurious.com, correct? Thank you, Robert, yes. Tanya, Siri, I want to thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast, this time to talk about the really interesting and very current topic of networking, social networking, professional networking and the like, and also telling us a little bit about Procurious. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Robert. That was my conversation with Tanya Siri of Procurious talking about the importance of networking and procurement and supply chain today. Our thanks to Procurious for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.